Welcome to Innovation Destination, the podcast channel for supply chain industry professionals. This episode is part of our Executive Perspective series, where we will hear from the C-suite of the electronics and manufacturing industry. Here's your host, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Connect, Tyler Fussner. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today. Tyler, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you could please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Dave Darty, and I'm President of DigiKey. Dave, well, thank you for taking the time today. I wanted to hear from you, hear your perspective and DigiKey's perspective on the pulse of the supply chain industry right now and, and hear what you've been hearing. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, we're coming out of a uh, pretty tumultuous time, a lot of changes and, and uh, different shifts in the industry, but I wanted to hear from DigiKey, what are some of the changes that you have implemented uh, over the past few years to help untangle any of this supply chain backlog that the industry has faced. Yeah, absolutely, and I think untangle is a great word because these last couple of years have been unprecedented. If you've been in this industry long enough, you're not immune to the cycles, but boy, this, this particular one with having everything thrown at us with a 100-year pandemic and transportation issues, raw material issues, quarantines, et cetera, uh, so it, the good news is it is starting uh, to untangle. We're seeing lead times come in in, in quite a number of products. There's, there's still a little bit of, of challenges out there, but we've learned a lot through it, and we'll be more resilient as a, as a result of it. You know, for us, you know, I'd say the manufacturers are the, the champions of this because they've got a much longer upstream supply chain they've got to deal with, and, and we deal with just them and, and ask them, when are we going to get our parts? But we can do our part. It starts with forecasting. The, the tools are getting better and better. It, we brought in a new tool at the beginning of, of COVID, and you've got to be able to look at things. You've got to be able to look at a spike demand. Is that, a, is that something that's going to repeat? How do I pass that on to the manufacturer? When you're stocked out for two months, how does that disrupt the flow of does the signal say, I don't need that product anymore? Does it take into account that there's a steady demand for it? You're just not having the ability to show it. So while it sounds simple, there's a lot of complexity into it. And we've been looking at now, how do those tools get smarter? How do we put in information, not just what people are buying, but what they're looking at on the web so we can be a little bit more predictive on what we forecast? Because the better we can get the information to suppliers, the more they can help us by getting that product on our shelf so we can get it to our customers. Excellent, excellent. And I, I did want to talk to you about technology and, and implementing um, the tools to make that transparency take place. Can you kind of touch on maybe, um, you know, how are you implementing those processes? Sure. Or what tools are you uh, implementing? Maybe AI or machine learning, a little mix, I'm sure, of, of multiple technologies. You know, it definitely is. The, the capabilities are there. It's at the end of the day, you know, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. And so with these tools, its ability to process in real time is tremendous. So it's, it's you know, what kind of intelligence can you load into it? It's not just your rearward facing. Now, we don't get a lot of backlog, so we rely a lot on history. But like I, as, as I mentioned earlier, the ability to look at uh, web traffic and what parts are people searching on, that might be a predictor of what they're going to buy in the future, but they haven't yet. We can uh, plug in information from our suppliers. What activity do they see that we haven't yet see, uh, seen yet? So that the more inputs you can get in, the uh, generative AI, what it can do with the inputs you provide and, you know, in real time process it. So, you know, I'd say those are those are some of the areas in forecasting. And then, of course, in our operation, if you go to our warehouse, it's uh, it's unbelievably state of the art. It's it's taken into account. Um, you know, at any given time, you see where a, a part is in the process. If there's a if there's a jam or, or any kind of blockage anywhere in the system across the 2.2 million square foot warehouse, we pretty much have it on video. We have it diagnosed. We've got 38 techs that are keeping that running. 
And so I, you know, I'd say that predictive element of being able to take large, complex systems and give you very simple, quick, spontaneous answers is, is probably key to that. And I'm curious about the, the, the push to get to that predictive stage. Is that um, a twofold, you know, something that DigiKey is driving because you want to increase these efficiencies? Or is this something that the customers are asking for that uh, or you're anticipating customers to be approaching you with? with changes in their practices? No, I'd say you know the, those two elements are one and the same. You mm -hmm. know, at the end of the day, people want to pay for value. They don't want to pay for waste. And so it, it behooves us and that it's our responsibility to make sure that we can make those experiences as streamlined as possible. It's, you know, truth be told, we've been on the web since 1996, but there's still ways for us to more efficiently process an order and to ship an order. And, and that's what we are really emphatically going out and looking at. And you know, how do you, this, they, you, you say the speed of digital, what does that mean? It means having these processes in place and having the architecture set up at your home office so that you can interface with, the, with your end customers, whether it's EDI or now API, et cetera. You know, no one wants to uh, pay for, we, we want to deal with exceptions. We don't want to uh, have to touch the routine. That information, the system should take that in and, and make those decisions on its own. And continuing from the customer's perspective, are you hearing any new pain points that are coming from their end today? Um, how has that changed uh, coming out of this period as we have? You know, what are they saying today? What are they, what are they struggling with today? Yeah, the irony, I'd say the number one pain point is, is over-inventoried of, of some parts and not having sufficient inventory of, of others. You know, we have really been thrown for a loop and mix, and I, I think that if you talk to our customers, you hear that. If you talk to our distributors, you'd hear that. And if you talk to the suppliers, they recognize that. So, you know, the, the good news is we feel like there's good, steady, ongoing demand for products. Uh, we just need to, to get this in balance. It was, it's not unexpected that given all those unforeseen events we talked about earlier that you're not just going to flip a switch and miraculously all the lines are going to come up and running at the same time. So, you know, early on, customers had the mindset and, and distributors alike that, hey, we'll take what we can get and then we'll fill out the rest of the portfolio later. Well, that's left us a little uh, full in some areas and, and still a little hungry in others. I wanted to ask you also about the geopolitical discussions like we were touching on, you know, there's there seems to be so much going on and uh, there's a lot of discussion of that's those uh, events impacting trade and supply chain. Uh, but at the same time, there seems to be a great deal of resolve on the part of business leaders to help solve their own supply chain issues. Mm. And like you had mentioned, you know, maybe some over inventory or under inventory in certain areas. What are some key understandings that have come from this? Um, and is the industry better for it at large? Yeah, we're in an interesting time. We went for, what, 20 years looking at this and recognizing it is a global economy. But more recently, we recognize while it's global, it's critically strategic to to entities regionally. And you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You can't necessarily control you know, where certain precious metals are located and you know, what, what pieces of, of earth. But you can control where you have factories. And you can't be loaded up in, in one area. You, you have to protect yourselves because what's universally understood is, is technology is going to continue to move forward. It's going to continue to be a way of life. It's going to continue to be strategic in all aspects, whether it's alternative, alternative energy, medical, uh, healthcare, aerospace, et cetera. And if you become too dependent on one particular region, as these recent geopolitical events are showing us, then that dependency can really throw a monkey wrench into your operation. So I, I think in a perfect world, we'd recognize you know, where some of these precious uh, gases or, or metals have to be and make sure that we can distribute them correctly. But where they don't have to be, you know, hedge your bet by having these, these regional locations. You see the CHIP Act in the U.S., EMEA having discussions about doing the very same thing and, and not have a heavy dependency in any one country or region. 
Yeah, it definitely kind of pushes towards a more global and widened perspective. I think from from all players. Yeah, it does. And you know, you know, my hope as a, as a human being on this planet is the fact that there is these global dependencies. That it's at some period of time we recognize that we're much better off engaging in global commerce together than hostilities against each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're talking about trends. We're talking about changes and integrations of technology. But I want to understand from where we have been in the traditional supplier and distributor networks, um, what has really changed? Has there been a shift in practices or offerings um, from either end? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. And we may, this is a, you know, good, we may want to go a little bit deeper. Um, I, you know, I think what's what stayed the same is is really the, the basic fundamental roles. You know, as a distributor, we don't make anything. We rely on our partners, their innovation of end products. And it becomes more and more incumbent on us as, as they deal with a fewer number of strategic customers for that NPI development for us to be that bridge to that large customer base. You know, I think more and more uh, what COVID has, has accelerated is this e-commerce, this notion that I'm not always going to have face-to-face -face interactions with people, a comfort level of, of dealing with people or information over the web. And so in some ways, you know, that's helped accelerate forward innovation by saying, hey, I'm engaging with DigiKey. I, I don't know where they are. I don't care. I have information that helps me at the front end of my design. I have products I can procure and source from DigiKey, and, and they reach me very effectively. And so we hope that just continues to, to propagate. But, uh, you know, again, the connection then between supplier and distributor becomes critical because I've always believed that the missing element is the supplier does a lot of their product development by talking to their strategic end customers. But then you have this, the you know, the world we're in, these unwashed masses of this, uh, you know, everything else in the world. And how can distribution give a voice to that? How can we use our intelligence? And we talked earlier about some AI or machine learning. How can we put a face to that? What are the product trends, whether it's power, packaging, speed, et cetera, so we can assist the manufacturers with new product development that that our customer base, our extended customer base is looking for. No one customer in particular, but how do you gather all that information and, and get some meaningful inputs? Because if we can do that, it'll just accelerate getting the right parts to get into the right applications to continue to let this technology flow forward. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And, and I, you touched on something I wanted to, to follow up on because, um, you know, it seems like the customer is more eager and more adept at uh, engaging through the web. And, you know, you it sounds like you have to set up and answer the, some of their questions before mm -hmm. they even mm -hmm. arise, right? And so um, is this kind of shaping or changing the role of the distributor with that uh, that new level of engagement? Um, and, and how has DigiKey been addressing that? It not only, yeah, it changes the role, it changes the medium in which the users want to interface. You know, it, it, in, in my day, you wanted that live interaction. I started my career as an FAE, and while I never saw myself in sales, I saw that appreciation from the customer wanting to get access to that technical information. And then over time, it went from live FAEs. To DigiKey was known for its call and technical support, and we still are. There'll be a live body there you know, should you need it. But more and more of the customers are saying, hey, make it available on my timeline instantaneously in video or in some other format that I can digest when I want it how I want it. And search engines have only you know, making that more efficient and you know what we're seeing through some tools recently like chat GPD are mind-blowing on where that's going to head So I don't know that the basic need of the transfer of information has changed But the medium and the means in which we do that is is dramatically shifting Yeah, that's it, it's it's good to understand that um, you know as a customer You get kind of pick and choose how you need to engage but Understanding when you come to someone like DigiKey that uh, there's multiple avenues and like you said if there's the human interaction is needed It's there. It's in place but um, you know, offering the 
the complete package, so to speak, for customer engagement and, and how they can navigate uh, and solve their own problems. It's you kind of have to anticipate a lot. You do, and I guess if I have the opportunity through this forum to reach out to is some of these end customers is make sure that they understand, you understand, your voice is heard, help us. It's a, communication's a two-way street. We look at every piece of web feedback we come in, everything that comes in through our customer service, inside sales, tech support. Tell us where you're going, what you need. Our role as a distribution is to not to train you on, on our processes, but for our processes to adapt to your needs. And so know that no matter how big or how small, your voice matters. Yeah, communication is key. That's excellent. So it, it sounds like there's a great change and uh, implementation of newer technologies. We talked about how that has changed the customer's uh, engagement and how it has changed the distributor's role. Has this offered you the capabilities of um, maybe offering new skills or services to those customers? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right in the head when you talk about services in particular. We've seen this growing trend that our customers need tracking documentation. There's the more and more they have a restriction on what kind of day codes that they're looking for. And you know, those were foreign to us. You know, we used to take all the same manufacturer part number and put it in the same bin. And when a request come in, we'd have to go sort through the bin to see if we had a particular day code and trying to keep the country of origin, the certificate of compliance and all that, um, that, that the paperwork associated with that transaction intact. You know, through the innovation and through our new warehouse, you know, all of that's received in on the front end and all of that you know, product is, is sorted by day code in separate bins. So we know on the front end versus have to sort on the back end so we can provide more of that documentation that customers are looking for. You know, we talked about efficiencies. Uh, cut tape is the most dominant format that we ship product out. So parts will come in on a 15,000 piece reel and customers will want anything from one piece to 14,499 or anything in between. They want the exact quantity. And it's, uh, it's incredible what our own design, our engineers designed from the ground up. It's essentially a stamp machine that just you know, spits out these parts from the, the seven and a half inch paper reel, which is the dominant format for that. And, uh, and since we customized and we built it from scratch, we're able to print on the back of that tape you know, these parts are indistinguishable. They look like a, a speck of pepper when they're sitting there on their tape. So to have some of that information on the back, you know, we've been told is invaluable and, uh, and helpful. And that'll also lower the cost. There, there used to be uh, an adder, you know, necessary because you're cutting down that reel and that human interaction, you know, cause uh, the number of picks that you could support to be much lower than it is through this automation. Uh, my list is a new tool. Our customers want to manage their bill of material. They may want to just check availability up front, and then later on they may want to switch some parts out based on that availability. And then later they want pricing and quoting from that. So give them the tools to hold on to that information and then continue to ping it off our system. Again, without any interaction or assistance, they can do it any time of day, day of the week. And, and those are the kinds of things that we're being asked for. And, and lastly, what comes to mind is to assimilate our part information with EDA tools and, and you know, schematic capture and with symbols and footprints. And so we partner with third parties to provide it. And we also link with manufacturers. We respect that customers want different things at different points in their design. They're not going to go to just us or just a manufacturer throughout that cycle. They may want to narrow the search up front, and then they may want to bounce from us to the manufacturer to get deeper, richer information. And wherever possible, we don't try to uh, host that information. We provide links back to the manufacturer to facilitate that journey and customer experience. So it, you know, I've kind of covered a whole spectrum of things, but it really is all over the map on things we continue to learn from our customers and try to respond to to, to meet those needs. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like... Uh, a common need is, is a, a need for more information and clear and concise and actionable data and having that information integrated into the services that you're providing is crucial for most of these customers. Without a doubt. In some way, shipping the parts is the easy part of the process. <laughs> right. Um, so 
Dave, I know there's no crystal ball or way to look into the future, but I'm going to ask you to take a stab at what the future of this industry looks like. And, you know, with the distribution space uh, of where we are today and including the customers, what do you think is coming in the next 6, 12, 24 months? Sure, sure. The hardest part is is the exact time frame, but what's happening I think is very clear to all of us. It's an extremely exciting future. You know, most of the uh, the prognosticators that I've seen have the next decade pegged at faster growth than either of the last two decades, and and there's nothing that we've seen that would refute that. The, some of the the technology areas I've talked about, alternative energy, medicine, uh, aerospace, even the consumer space, you know, those are going to continue to leverage ever and ever increasing exciting technologies. Uh, right now, you know, we view it. There is the word correction or inventory imbalance. But uh, we're a class is half full kind of company. So we look at this as not the end of the last up cycle of the last couple of years, but this is really the beginning of the next cycle that's yet to come. Because in, in what makes me say that is, you know, our engineers are demonstrating, we're seeing their activity in the web. Over the last couple of years, they've been inundated in trying to source product for old designs. And that, that burdens off their shoulders for the most part now. And we see more and more activity on fresh innovation, fresh designs, the things that gets engineers excited and to wake up in the morning and start working on. And there's a couple of different ways we track that. But you know, that's what gives me that hope that uh, these forecasts are, are more than accurate. Yeah. And it, it seems like a very exciting future for every facet of the industry involved. It has been. You know, we've been, you know, I've been in it now 35 years, and it's what's fun is it's always changing. The end applications are changing. The technology that enables them is, is changing. You know, I was with a gentleman for breakfast this morning, and, uh, you know, we were lamenting a little bit, talking about this young generation that we try to recruit in, and they look at this as a non-sexy industry, and they want to know, what are you doing about ESG? How are you going to, what are you going to do about this world that you, know, you older folks is destroying uh, for us? <laughs> and he reminded us that it's our technology, it's science and engineering that it's going to be the, the savior. It's going to be the solutions. And it's, it's our end customers and, and with technology like what comes off of our shelf and the manufacturers that's going to enable that. So where I challenge my kids is, yeah, you can talk about a lament or you can get involved and you can do something about it. And that solution is, is undoubtedly going to be technology-based. So this is where it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's a very powerful challenge to put forth. Get involved. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Dave, thank you for joining us on the discussion today. I really appreciate you taking the time. It was very insightful. Tyler, it's been a pleasure. Anytime. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovation Destination. Follow us online at supplychainconnect.com or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest supply chain industry news. Do you have any questions or is there a topic you would like us to cover in a future episode? Please contact us at editors at supplychainconnect.com. That's E-D-I-T-O-R-S at supplychainconnect.com.